Welcome to the Holden Village Podcast. Holden is a community of education, programming, and worship located in the remote wilderness of the Cascade Mountains. These snapshots provide a glimpse into the learnings taking place in our community. Let's tune in to this week's highlight. Hi, I'm Holly Hughes, and I graduated from St. Olaf with a degree in English and Environmental Studies, and it feels like I've been trying to keep bringing these two things together my whole life, my teaching life and my writing life. So I taught for more than 25 years at Edmonds Community College, and I also taught at Pacific Lutheran University in their low-residency MFA program. I also had a little digression where I went up to Alaska to make money for graduate school and ended up buying a commercial fishing boat and fishing for eight years. And during that time, I put my undergraduate degree to work by writing as a journalist about environmental and fisheries issues. And I eventually did go back to graduate school, but it was a wonderful digression. I got a lot of great material for writing during those eight years in Alaska. I'm going to be reading a few poems from my chapbook collection called Passings. And it's 15 poems about birds that have gone extinct. I like to think that the birds found me. I've always loved birds. I've always felt the connection to them. At some point, I acquired a copy of Audubon's painting, The Passenger Pigeon. I was up in Alaska when I found it, and it was rolled up in the closet for years. And then one day I finally unrolled it and mounted it and hung it in my cabin and one morning when I came downstairs, I often tell my students, write about what's right in front of you. And in that particular morning, what was right in front of me was this beautiful print of the passenger pigeon. So I thought, okay, I'm going to write about this. So I did. And then it seemed like the birds wanted some company. And so I started to do research and found that, of course, as we all know, there were lots of birds to choose from. There are many birds have gone extinct over the last century, and the statistics are not good. Just recently, some new statistics have come out saying that a quarter of the bird species have gone extinct since the 1970s, which is in my lifetime. I had a sense that there was even more of a need to write about them. So I took what had been just a few poems that I'd written over time and decided to put it together into a collection. So I'll read three poems from the collection, and I'm going to start with a little bit from the preface that I wrote to give a little bit of background on my relationship with birds. It starts with an epigraph from a poet by the name of Katie Ford. Some things qualify as silence, but they wake us, like the disappearance of bird call that kept us asleep because we took it as dream stitch. An early memory, flash of scarlet against tall drifts of snow, a cardinal swoops to the feeder outside our kitchen window, that's how I learned the color red, and from then on I associated red with that cardinal, which seemed a friend as it showed up each morning for its oily black sunflower seeds that my father provided, no matter how deep the drifts. When I look back on my life, I see that birds have always been part of my family, speaking to me, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. I remember waddling behind a flock of mallard ducks soon after learning to walk, intent on joining them. 
Later, while at summer camp in northern Minnesota, I recall an encounter with a great blue heron on a lake at dusk. The heron balances, motionless, on one leg in the tall reeds as the setting sun suffuses the sky, the heron's ball-bearing eye peering into my own. Loons began calling to me, their wild laugh beckoning me north and west, and I followed, finding myself fishing in Alaska with a whole raft of seabirds to meet, horned and tufted puffins, ancient murelets, whiskered auklets, and pigeon guillemots. I soon came to recognize them as new members of my family, the smooth white breast of the common muir perched on rocky ledges, the orange legs of the black oyster catcher pacing the shoreline, the quick, nervous dive of the phalarope. When the Exxon Valdez fetched up on Bly Reef in 1989, I left my job writing catalog copy and flew to Seward to work on the spill. I was given a job running the medic boat, and picking up oiled seabirds to take to the rehabilitation center in Seward. As we scooped up each oiled, limp bird in a net, each dying seabird felt like a pending death among my own kin. These days, the birds in my life are fewer, but still distinct. Cormorants hanging their wings out to dry as I wait for the ferry. The kingfisher perched on the telephone line above the slough as I drive home each afternoon. The osprey that follows me up the beach, the pileated woodpecker that drums the stump outside my writing studio, the lilting call of the Swainson's thrush on evening walks. I can't imagine my life without birds, even if their presence is fleeting. They are my family, my relations. Without them, the world would be a less vibrant, less musical place. I'm going to skip ahead here and just read... The last paragraph of the preface. Reports released by National Audubon Society chronicling the effect of climate change on bird populations warned that many species of birds are already adjusting their range as their habitat changes. Like the canary in the coal mine, birds are letting us know what's ahead. We're in this together. I'll leave it to the scientists to count, chronicle, and calculate cause and consequence. Poems serve another purpose. As Christopher Kokinos points out in his moving book, Hope is the Thing with Feathers. Knowing whatever we can about these vanished birds restores them to a habitat we still can save, our moral imagination. Take note, these birds are still singing to us. We must listen. So I'll start with the passenger pigeon because that's the poem that started this collection. This is the one that I have at home. And just in the epigraph, on September 1st, 1914, Martha, the last passenger pigeon, died in the Cincinnati Zoo. See how she bends to him, her beak held within his, while she waits for his food to rise up to her hunger. He rests on the arcing branch, his neck a perfect answer to hers, wings held aloft and slightly splayed, while long tail feathers stream away, Prussian blue going to dusk, breast russet, branch below studded with viridian lichen to match his coat, colors chosen by Audubon as he painted them in courtship, in situ. 
See how her colors foreshadow the fall, dun, mustard, black. How her tail balances his wings, painted in parallel planes. How the drooping oak leaf holds them in place, stasis in which they are aware of no one but each other. Audubon captured them in gouache, graphite, and pastels, not knowing they would soon be gone. In his time, they were more numerous than all other species combined. They say the pigeons flew over the banks of the Ohio River for three days in succession, sounding like a hard gale at sea. Years later, guns splattered shot into skies stormy with pigeons. Thousands plummeted, filling railroad cars bound for fine restaurants. Now, of those hundreds of millions that once darkened the skies, we are left with Martha, who never lived in the wild, stuffed in the Smithsonian, Prussian blue feathers stiff, glass eyes staring, waiting still for her mate. That was actually kind of a common thread that ran through these poems, that many of the birds, of course, are monogamous and mate for life. And so that was one of the things that was most heartbreaking to me was, of course, learning that when one dies, the other is left without a partner and that sometimes their loyalty would actually bring about their own demise. So I'll read another one called the Eskimo Curlew. And like the passenger pigeon, it was really plentiful. There were huge flocks. And I think when the flocks are so huge, it was hard for our forebears to imagine that you could wipe them out. On the cover of my book, you actually can see a painting of the passenger pigeons. And it's it's like a storm cloud or a tornado. I mean, the sky is just thick with birds. So it's hard for us to imagine that plenitude And apparently, with birds like this that live in such large flocks, once the flock gets down to a certain level, even though there are some individuals left, because they're so community-based, they go extinct more easily than some of the other species, which don't rely upon the village, as it were, to help raise the young. So it was, I think, kind of a surprise that the passenger pigeon was wiped out. And the same with the Eskimo curlew. I grew up reading the last of the curlews before bed, your crescent moon beak beckoning me north. Even then you were almost gone, though millions of you once filled the skies, migrating from the northern tundra to South America, feeding on grasshoppers along the way. Within 20 years, your vast flocks were brought down by market hunters, fire suppression, tilling of the prairies, eradication of grasshoppers. Before hunting was banned, two million curlews were killed each year. Here's the part that still makes me weep. You were wiped out because you stayed by your fallen companion. From you, I learned what loyalty means. Today, birders search for you along Galveston shore. Sometimes catch a glimpse, memory being so strong. No one knows for sure you're gone. You live on in the pages of a book, a waning crescent moon. So apparently there is some question about the Eskimo curlew, if there are any still around. And another example of a bird for which there's some uncertainty and quite a lot of controversy actually is, of course, the ivory-billed woodpecker. 
which many people have claimed to have seen down in the Louisiana, which was its native area. Ivory billed woodpecker. I wish I'd been at the sighting that inspired its nickname, the Lord God Bird. I'd love to see this woodpecker, perhaps extinct, perhaps not. No one knows for sure. Standing 20 inches tall with white wing patches and a flashy red crest. Who wouldn't say, Lord God, look at that. Once making its home in the hardwood forests of the south, birders say its ivory bill could pierce bark eight inches deep. Imagine the racket. Even so, they were vulnerable. A single pair needed in six square miles of wet forest with dead trees in which to nest and search for grubs. In 1948, when a Louisiana forest was cleared for a soy plantation, the last population vanished. The Cuban subspecies survived a few more decades, but by 1970, logging had reduced its population to eight pairs. In the 1990s, explorers in the mountains near Moa found fresh signs of feeding, caught a glimpse of a bird that may have been the ivory bill, but the sighting was never confirmed. Since then, more reports have surfaced, suggesting the Lord God bird may not be gone, A few still hide, spectral spirits, reminding us of the shimmering line linking memory and desire, reminding us that perhaps it's not too late to save them, to save us all. I'm going to end by reading an epigraph. It's in the afterword, actually, and it's a powerful poem by Toni Morrison. Before I read it, I'm just going to sum up a few of the sobering statistics. Since the 1500s, more than 150 bird species around the world have gone extinct. In all, one estimate suggests bird losses in the past eight centuries may exceed 2,000 species. Would we could say we've learned from these extinctions. Instead, scientists suggest we may be facing another wave of extinctions exacerbated by climate change. According to a National Audubon Society study based on citizen science conducted over more than a century, more than half of the birds studied could be in jeopardy. Of the 588 species Audubon studied, 314 are likely to find themselves in dire straits by 2080 unless we begin to reduce the severity of global warming and buy birds more time to adapt to the changes coming their way. I want to conclude again with Toni Morrison's words. I don't know whether the bird you're holding is dead or alive, but I do know it's in your hands. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.